Bitcoin Roundtable. Random musings and interviews about Bitcoin. Hey everybody, what what episode are we at? Forty nine. Oh my God, we're almost having our fiftieth episode birthday. Oh yeah. boy, Can we you... should get a cake. Yes, I yes. love cake. <laughs> well, Darren, did you welcome everybody back? Thank them for listening, tuning in. Well, thank you, everybody. My God, thank you so much for listening to us. Yeah, that was pretty. We really appreciate. It. Yeah, I tell you, I'm gonna stop listening to you. I'll bet. What's uh, what's happening with Bitcoin right now? Where's it sitting this week? It's approximately thirty-eight hundred, thirty-nine hundred. Yeah. Yeah, now I'm depressed. Thanks for bringing up the Bitcoin price. What, what depresses <laughs> you about it? It's not no, 39000 no. Actually, well, it's on sale, so it's a good opportunity to get in. That's what I've been doing. This is the Bitcoin sale going on. The Black Friday of Bitcoin. Libby. We've got a new referral program. Go to our website, and there's a link. And if you're going to buy stuff from Coinbase, if you spend over 100 bucks, you get 10 bucks, and so do we. Oh, it's all on the website. There you have it, folks. Get to Bitcoin, the website. Bitcoinroundtable.net. Oh my God, just free money flying around everywhere as Woo-hoo. long as you spend money. Um, yeah, some people, as you were saying, Vince, uh, you were telling me some people think this is the bottom. I think the one article I was reading saying 3,500 should be the absolute bottom. Yeah. And then it should start to shoot up with, you know, probably within the next year. But this guy was saying that you're not going to see any real action right away he said it's more going to be a gradual thing yeah over the year but well you were mentioning something about when's the next happening and look that up i think it's it. may 2020 now it was june and it kind of bumped okay something like that based on how many they're mining currently right so well you know 10 minutes per block so x amount of blocks get mined you know you mine a block it's 12.5 bitcoin or something right so, right and i think they're predicting that final block to be mined late May 2020 if I remember correctly hmm. at which point after that a mined block gives you half the amount of Bitcoin yeah it's cool you know okay well it could be the bottom some people are predicting it to be I'm not so sure I mean thing is you know you start getting this mindset that the bottom's in and all of a sudden it you know maybe goes down to 2000 right so <laughs> who knows well, it's kind of still why I like the dollar cost averaging. Just buy a little bit every month. That way, you know, you're not going all in, and then all of a sudden it gets cut in half or something. Don't start bringing the FOMO into it, and yeah, start losing their shorts, and just trickle a little bit in. You know, nothing you can't afford to lose. You know, just do a little bit every once in a while, and that way you don't have to worry about trying to catch the bottom. Well, yeah, and you were saying that uh, apparently in 2019, more of the uh, Chinese government's going to start giving easing up on regulation as far as Bitcoin being accepted. Is that right? Which is really supposed to help an awful lot. So. Well, I haven't heard anything about that. So, you know, still good things. Still positive. The, the rich people are accumulating right now. That's for sure. You can pretty much bet on that. They did a survey and exactly 29% of self-employed and freelance people today, if they could, would choose to get paid in some form of cryptocurrency. Yeah. Rather than their current fiat. It's just so nice to use. I feel like we're in the dark ages still when it comes to banking, you know. Try to write a check now and just, I don't know. Just trying to work with banks and the roadblocks they put up these days. It's, I mean in Africa, there's countries in Africa that are more advanced with their currencies, right? Like going to the market and just 
yeah. having their cell phones loaded up with, you know, credits and they just buy through their cell phones. I mean, sure, you know, I guess to some degree the banks bowed to some pressure in that, you know, you can have your debit card on your phone with your specific banking app. Right. You know, but it's all just a sham. Like, but they all still charge like, you the same uh, fees. Like, you well, don't if not more. If not Sure, more, like, right. I've got all that on my phone. I can buy something with my phone, but I don't get anything for it except for maybe the ease of being able to do it. And whoop yeah. do You know, and they're advertising. If you get a check, you can take a picture of the check with the banking app and deposit it. In your... I don't know. I just find it laughable. Well, sure, and it still doesn't mean they're going to release the money for you, right? You still have to have good credit rating like anything, or else they're going to hold that check until it actually clears. Oh, sure. That's Dark Ages kind of shit, really. Yes, we're getting some pictures taken right now for social media. We need to. Sorry, guys. Libby's great at that. We don't really know whether to smile or pay attention to her or not when she does that. Well, because neither of you are on social media, so you have no idea what I'm doing with your photos. This is true. Yikes. Are you, like, painting ears and a dog nose on my leg like they do on Snapchat? Snapchat? I should, shouldn't I? No, it's very tasteful. I heard that uh, Floyd Mayweather ran into a little bit of a problem with uh, the SEC and cryptocurrency. I read something about it. Fill me in. Yeah, Mayweather, they nailed him for $300,000. Wow. Well, you know, the U.S. ruled cryptocurrencies to be securities not currencies so when you're promoting cryptocurrencies you are effectively promoting securities so it'd be just like promoting a stock an example would be floyd mayweather promoting microsoft stock saying microsoft stock is great it's gonna go up it's gonna rule the world microsoft you know invest now because he's so influential you can say that an analogy, I'm, not, I'm making it up, but say Microsoft gave him $50,000 worth of Microsoft stock. Right. To say good things about Microsoft on Twitter or whatever social media he's on to promote Microsoft, the SEC requires Floyd Mayweather to state and declare that he was paid by Microsoft to say good things about Microsoft. So for this cryptocurrency, he didn't state that he was actually given cryptocurrency he was paid to promote the cryptocurrency, but he didn't say he was paid. I would put two and two together and say, of course he was paid by the crypto companies, or else why would he say anything at all about them? Well, it's social media. You can say whatever you want. Why does the SEC need to be involved in that? Is that Because a- cryptocurrency is designated as a security, which falls under the domain of the SEC. It's basically just like a stock. Okay. And that's right. also why we mentioned that in the previous episode, when you buy cryptocurrency mm-hmm. and then you spend it, you have to record. Right. When you spend it, you basically almost have to keep a logbook of how much of the cryptocurrency you spent so that you can literally get a, a, a register for filing your taxes, you know, which is ridiculous, right? A lot of people say it's ridiculous, but... Mm-hmm. It's a beautiful way to try to hold back the adoption of the cryptocurrency. You know, people say, oh, well, use Bitcoin, buy Bitcoin and use it. And that's how it's going to grow is if, you know, now maybe someone will write an app or wallet with an app that'll do it for you, right? So it's all accounted for. Most people are very confident that in time, cryptocurrencies will lose the designation of being a security because it really needs to. And when common sense prevails, in the government, then it will be that way. 
Yeah, the, the whole gray area to me is right now, like, let's just say, you know, Bob on the corner who happens to have, you know, two or three Bitcoins. Yeah. And Bob starts buying little things with his Bitcoin. Yeah. Nobody knows unless Bob opens his mouth that he has Bitcoin. Um, there's no way to track him, so therefore it's very, very hard to catch and even make Bob pay taxes on that Bitcoin today, is it not? That's really why all the exchanges, all the on-ramps to getting your Bitcoin now, they require your name and your personal information. But are those exchanges sharing information with, let's say, the IRS or the... Of course they are. Are they? They're They're forced to. They're forced to. Oh, yeah, they don't have a choice. That's where the SEC comes in and basically forces them to... If you open up an exchange and you start taking people's money and allowing them to buy Bitcoin with that money, you need a banking license, at least in Canada, to do so. You're never going to get that banking license unless you're taking down the personal information of everyone who's signing up and sending money. A nice little database that the government can grab <laughs> to, to find out how much Bitcoin each each and every person has. I mean, sure, there's a bit of a undecided element where, you know, I think on Craigslist or whatever, people can go, oh, I want to buy some crypto and I live in Boston or something, right? So... You meet some guy in the corner in a coffee shop and give him a hundred bucks and he'll send you a hundred bucks in Bitcoin. You know, that's kind of under the table-ish, but, you know, people also get robbed easily doing that. But if you go to exchange to buy it, there's a record and they know. Yeah, that's what they want, right? They want to track everybody. It's it's just an extension of FinTrack, which is a, a protocol set up, I believe it was started in the U.S. banking system, but they want to track the finances of each and every person out there. Fuckers. Basically, I don't know for sure, but the impetus is kind of like the Patriot Act. They want to make sure nobody's sending any money to terrorists. Different scare tactics. They want to do it anyways, and they're going to use the terrorism and child porn as as an excuse to implement it. Because how are you going to argue against that? Yeah. Well, you need, you know, where'd you get this 5,000 from? I'm like, well, yeah, it came across the street from the other bank. But why are you asking? We have to track everything. Well, that's kind of stupid, isn't it? No, because that's how that's child porn and terrorism. Mm-hmm. That's how they flourish. So we're gonna do it. You're going to give up any of your private rights under this guise of tracking crime, uh, and it's really just so they know everything about you mm-hmm. every time. Yeah, it's kind of why they're trying to get rid of cash, right? They want everyone to use credit cards and debit cards, and because those are much more easy to track. Easy to track. I mean, casinos are probably the last bastion of, of areas where you can actually get your hands on significant cash. Sure, and it attracts a bad crowd because of it, but Christ, you know, you can be traveling down the highway in the States and get pulled over, and, and there's plenty of stories on Reddit about it, where, you know, a cop will pull you over for whatever, and, uh, you know, search you, find out you got two grand in your pocket, and then take it. <laughs> take it. Yeah. Or 50 grand. Well, or whatever money you got, they can take it and they'll just, all they really have to say is, well, I think it's based on uh, proceeds from crime. No, the onus is on you to prove it's not. Right, so you need to prove where you got the money from, where it came from. But even then, it's almost impossible. Like, there's so many sad stories out there of people who are just... Honest people losing the money they stuffed in their mattress? Yeah, get cleaned right out. Yeah, wow. So I heard the markets are shutting down tomorrow because of, yeah, George Bush Sr. passing away. 
Yeah, I googled him this afternoon because I really didn't know what kind of a president he was. He, he was pretty good. He was a pretty good friend of Canada. He was probably one of the most qualified to become president in the last bunch of years anyway. You know, he served, what, eight years, I believe, as vice president? Yeah, he only did one term as president. Yeah, Bill Clinton took him out yeah. in the second term. Like all presidents, right? There's good and bad. There's there's always a balance. I, I was shocked that they're shutting the market down because of it. Um, yeah, Seems to know. be the honorable thing to do. Didn't really think the market ever shut down. <laughs> well, he is Republican as well. Probably a lot of old friends. Maybe some run exchanges these days, I don't know. Canada sent Brian Mulroney to his funeral. As our representative, apparently. Oh, there's a good one. Of course, everybody out there, we live in uh, Ontario, Canada, and um, near Toronto, there's a place called York. They've had so many problems in the York region with drinking and driving that they've started bringing back a policy where they're going to print the names of those who were caught in the newspaper. I believe over the weekend there was something like... In one night, there were seven different people caught. And well, it's a big city, too. Like It's not small. Numbers are still up. Well, most people in Canada are getting their balls crushed you know, in the financial vice. So, to me, um, that means more people are drinking. That's just my general feeling. Oh, I'm sure. Well, isn't that why the LCBO here in Ontario extended their hours? Lineups for cheap vodka or something. <laughs> I don't know. Seems funny that they uh, coincide those two events. I do get the sense there's a general hard hard times feeling coming in Canada. Maybe I'm wrong, but uh, there is a lot of people struggling out there. And I think Libby mentioned something about food scarcity. Or what What was the term you called? What was that term, Libby? Food insecurity. Food insecurity. Food, yes. food insecurity is on the rise in Canada. It's a global issue to do with economics and climate change and population growth and lack of money (laughs) well yeah i mean basically there's too many humans and not enough food food's becoming very very expensive they said in the news today that the average grocery bill for families a four-person family in canada next year is going to go up by 411 dollars annually that makes me want to get a garden going out in the backyard because it's that kind of food that goes up in price, right? But it's your yeah. produce. It's, yeah, that's it's exactly the, what they said. The yes. healthy stuff. Yeah, when I grew up, we had like fruit trees all over the backyard and veggies in the garden. Yeah, and we stuff. do too. It seems like it doesn't happen as much anymore. Well, I, I guess mean, city living, everyone's in a condo. So. It's city living. Everybody, you know, everybody's migrated to the cities over the last bunch of years and. Maybe this is the impetus for the great exodus and property taxes are increasing. The food's going to co- continually increase. Yep. Why, why be in the city? Hey, I'm all for growing more. Fortunately, we do have winters, which really makes it quite difficult. Mm. Well, they were saying on, on the news today that there's a few issues. One of them being that the greenhouses now in, in Canada, this is Canada grown stuff yes are all growing cannabis <laughs> not food can we uh, make a salad out of cannabis i don't think so <laughs> i mean I, you could try i suppose well maybe that's what eventually pushes the price up of marijuana maybe is the need for people to have food yeah well let's hope people don't start choosing marijuana over food no when you, i think when you have marijuana you get hungry so it's kind of 
Enough of fresh produce. Yeah, you don't get hungry for a salad. That's where you start digging into Joe Louis. Why not? <laughs> oh, is that how it goes? Yeah, I mean, there's a number of issues. Like, uh, this has just popped into my head, but for example, how climate change is affecting almond trees in California. So the almond crop has been severely diminished. I mean, almonds isn't as important crop as barley or something like that. The changing climate, I know it's a really controversial subject, but the, how that's affecting the food chain all the way along. So, for example, cattle aren't getting the nourishment they need, so the farmers aren't getting the yield that they would have, and that, of course, affects the price. And it's affecting pollination, so that, of course, has a huge implication with so many things. Oh, we could go and talk about it for hours and hours. But anyway, so... Are the bees still dying? Yeah, yeah. Is that still a thing? Yeah. I heard that was a hoax. No, they're dying. It's not a hoax. Yeah, but I heard the hoax was that we're really supposed to be worried about it. What? Yes, they're dying. And bees are dying in record numbers. But are we really supposed to be worried about it? I mean, the bees might be dying, but we don't need to worry about it because there are so many bees. I don't know. I never heard about that. And pollination is still happening. You know, do we have a shortage of honey? Um, It's not honey that's the issue. It's the pollination. But according to who? Because a lot of people say it doesn't exist. Who? Well, the I don't know off the top of my head. <laughs> you can't tell me who does, so no, you can't I've, I've ask me names. An and no, I've read I've... studies that said different. Well, you, you should talk with Libby about this. Yeah. No, you don't get to leave. Darren has a habit of sneaking off. Yes, he does. Well, sometimes I have nothing to contribute to the conversation. So you guys can talk yeah, for a little bit. Yeah, but neither do I, and I don't sneak off. I don't know anything about bees. Sit down. We're going to be brought <laughs> up bees. You don't get to leave. Oh, I, need, I need a vape. I, again, I think the issue is that the rate of bee decline is so, so dramatic. Yes. I think they're extremely concerned. They are. Yeah, okay, let's yeah. get some real info. Oddly, so I do have some training, like actual formal training in beekeeping. So there are a number of red flags. One of them, the climate change, it's the obvious. Mm-hmm. Second is the pesticides that are used in all the crops are killing off the bees. Obvious, you know, of course, it's toxins. Another one is this mite called the varroa mite, which uh, which is basically like HIV. In right. It's just killing them all off. Um, so there was three big reasons why this is happening, and no, but no one really, really knows why. Well, it's a combination of a whole bunch of factors, I believe, is it not? Yeah, it's... I mean, so bees are used a lot in agriculture in the, in the United States purely for pollination and what they do is they basically put them in these in their hives these commercial hives and they put them on trucks and they just ship them around they they let the bees off yes and see that's that's not how bees work right that bees in their natural environment they have a hive and they have a five kilometer radius from which they travel to oh you mean one of the problems you think is the fact that we're trying to control the bees being shipped around the states in juggernaut how long have they been doing that for do you have any idea oh to, I think to try and come up with the reason why we have such a shortage, where is it and is it as alarming as everybody is making us think it is? Because you don't hear a lot about the bees in the news anymore. In fact, I haven't heard anything for a long time. So did it get better or did people just give up talking about it? There's so much shit going on. I think. Yeah, just, it's, it's just like... where, where does it hold its place in the... Uh, the shit that's going on. Well, again, I think this is all part of this food insecurity, right? Yeah. It's 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 all inclusive. And Doesn't I think help. I think this year they're talking about food insecurity more. For example, California is is an agricultural gold mine and it's just being destroyed by wildfires. Mm-hmm. So that's 
obviously affecting agriculture. I think the state of the economy also uh, doesn't help it either, right? Everybody in such debt that they're saying that, you know, they can't handle any more stressors and all of a sudden they have a $500 stressor on something like food next year would be, uh, you know, a significant hit to a lot of families, I think. So, I don't know, where's the math? So it's an extra, what, $18 a grocery bill? I think I can absorb it, right? But there's an awful, I believe there's an awful lot of people that really can't. Yeah, no, absolutely. In Canada, children living with single mothers is one of the worst categories or market groups that are going to be really hit with this food insecurity thing. Oh, because of lack of income. Lack of income, right? Of course. Um, Just going back to the bees, the number of bee colonies per hectare has declined by 90% since 1962. 90%. 9-0. Okay. Yeah, it's a lot. You know, I just wonder how worried about that are we really supposed to be? I think we're supposed to be pretty worried. <laughs> yeah, okay. I, I don't think it's a good thing, but I can honestly tell you, I don't lose any sleep over it. No, sure, but it's not affecting you directly. I don't want to lose sleep about it, but it worries me. Actually, they've, they've now um, coined a new mental health disease called, um, gosh, what was it called? Eco-anxiety. And it's literally people who have actual anxiety about the state of the world, they, who cannot sleep because of issues like that. I was listening to RCBC the other day. I blame a lot of that on the media. Well, sure, but yeah, <laughs> if you're prone to anxiety, then sure. Uh, but it's, re- it's a specific group of people that are really affected by that in particular. And just feeling overwhelmed, you can't do anything. Just all the classic symptoms of anxiety and depression. But I mean, to me, youth are most vulnerable, right? Because you get maybe, yeah. Well, you grow up having a happy-go-lucky childhood, and then you spend the next twenty years of your life getting media shoved in front of your face, saying we're all going to die, and list list the number of reasons. You know, there's very little change that one person can do, so there's nothing to be done about it. And I think it comes with age and maturity that you just kind of accept it, do what you can, but basically it's just part of life. But for the young people, that's not in their wheelhouse, so to speak. They by far are most vulnerable to serious anxiety and depression. You know, basically learning continuously every day throughout their young lives that we're all fucked. So. Well, and they get it from everywhere. Like, when we were kids, we had to turn on the TV, the radio, or the newspaper in order for us to get any of our news, be it positive or especially the influences yeah. stuff, negative. Now, now it's on all the channels, right? Today, you can't escape it. They're doing a very good job of scaring the hell out of people. Yeah, but my question is to what end, right? Well, I mean... Fear, right? Fear motivates. Fear causes suicide. Let's make us afraid of everything. And that way we'll react and we'll give more money. I don't know. I don't like it. I don't. I think it's wrong. I guess you need to be aware of it. To some degree, it's it's abused. And, you know, what what's the goal? Oh, like Vince said, to motivate. I'm not saying it's a good If a good you constantly tell people that they are to be afraid of something, they are to be afraid of something, and then you tell them how, you know, this is what we can do to stop you from being afraid to it. We can spend money on more walls, more guns, more military. Be afraid of this. Instead of just slamming this message out so often, 
consistently to everybody. You know, I think you got to bring in the message a bit and be a little more careful. You know, I've got messages on my phone still saved. I don't answer my phone anymore because it's usually all bad news and somebody calling me with a scam. You know, I've got messages on my phone saying, oh, this is Ganesh from the CRA and we're going to throw you into jail because oh, blah, tax, blah, blah, blah. scam. People would laugh about that if they were thinking clearly, but they're all so afraid. The, the whole community has this basis of fear so cooked in that they get these ridiculous phone calls and they actually believe them. They've made $15 million off of that scam. You know, you're just adding to people's fear. You're preying on people because of their anxiety and fear, you know, and to me, the population should never be at this level of anxiousness mm-hmm. or fear. And part of that reason is it's not a productive society. The more afraid and anxious you are, the less you get done. <laughs> the more cloudy your clarity of thought is. You're not thinking clearly. You make poor decisions, you know, and it has a, a snowball effect. You're just ruining people's lives by this constant onslaught, even if it's true. And I'm not, I'm not saying I doubt the truthfulness of the messages, but these continuous messages coming out about how fucked we are with the environment and food and everything. What, what's the benefit in it? We're going back to the food thing. For me, the thing that's hard to grasp, you can watch some shows, and your shows on Netflix that will tell you how much food the world throws away how much food the average restaurant will throw away. Yeah. How many crops that just don't even get picked because they're not, they say they're not needed. But there they walk into grocery stores and they see stocked shelves, but yet they're told we're running out of food. Well, yeah, I understand that it means as the years go on and we grow, we're not gonna have enough food, but it's very hard for somebody to actually wrap their head around. But that's not how it works, it's, it's all price. Yeah, that's yeah there'll always saying. be food on the shelf. Yeah. The question is whether you can afford it or not. I mean, yeah, sure, okay, you can go into Russia maybe 30 years ago. Queuing um, up for a loaf of bread. And you go through the grocery store and, you know, 80% of the shelves are just completely empty. But those scenarios come into play when you have ex- extensive socialism. Yes. Uh, an example would be Venezuela, where no matter what, if you're a baker and you're making bread, you can only sell this bread for a dollar a loaf. You can't charge any more than that. But then what happened was the cost of flour went up and then the bakers actually couldn't afford to make the bread. They couldn't buy the flour. So that's when the shelves go empty. When you force prices to stick at a unnatural level, you know, usually low, then that's when you run into food shortages, like as far as uh, empty shelves. Mm-hmm. I guess all the average person can really do is control their, you know, immediate environment. That's why I really like the idea of, you know, those, uh, what do they call them, so- social gardens. You know? Community gardens. Yeah, yeah, we've got a big one in uh, Owen Sound where I live. They're all over the place. Here. Sure, but there should be more of them. Yeah. A lot more of them. There will. When an equilibrium shifts and there's more stress in a specific aspect of daily living such as food costs then community gardens will multiply i hope so you know we've talked a few times about the price of groceries on this podcast and for most families it's their biggest expense yeah 
for sure it is. I know for my family, it's my business. It's bigger than my car payments. It's actually pretty well, close yeah. to my mortgage. Well, yeah, three kids and basically in their teens. Yes, I've got three teenagers, so it's a little different. It's a significant amount. You know, if you can save me $30, $40 a week, that's big money a year. Well, with the levels of automation, too, you know, it's just another wrench in the system that is causing more troubles, like with the GM plant closures. Mm. I read today, it was a business article, somebody's conjectured out there that, I mean, very soon they are expecting and laid out why a valid argument of why they are expecting Ford to lay off 30 or get rid of 30,000 See, I read, it, I read it was 15,000, but okay. Yeah. Yeah. 30,000 worldwide. Yeah. Oh, well, but a lot of it will hit North America well, and said, even Canada. Well, they said most of it's in Europe. They right. Said, uh, Ford in Europe is completely unprofitable. All GM does open up the gate for that, right? Oh, yeah. Well, sedans are dying, the sedan business, apparently. Ford and GM are both trying to get out completely yeah. of this. Ah, nobody's buying sedans anymore. A lot of the older generation drive them. Like Buicks. Just yeah, not yes, an it's SUV. It's a car with a trunk. Not a 4x4. Four okay, four. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You know, trucks and SUVs are, are where, what people are buying. Or the price of gas these down. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, and Teslas, I mean... You know, they're, they're cutting into some demand, too. But, you know, I heard somewhere Ford has, like, they've just got a massive amount of debt. Well, a lot of people aren't really sure they're going to be able to pay it back. Oh, we'll bail them out. Don't worry. A second bailout? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, this whole bailout shit. When I was young, you lived and died by your profitability, but... With the 2008 crash and companies getting bailed out, I mean, to me, it's just, it's ridiculous. I mean, and I think what Trudeau said, oh, it's okay, we're, we're working on a package for all the GM employees that are, will no longer have jobs. You know, and then I'm reading on Reddit and all these uh, oil workers in Alberta are going, well, what about us, right? The MP who runs Own Sound Area sent a letter to Trudeau because he, he had somebody work out a scenario that... There's a tentacle plant in Owen Sound employs 500 people in a town of 20,000. A tentacle plant? Tentacle, it's called. Tentacle. Tentacle. They're a supplier for GM? Uh, no, but they are a part supplier. Okay. They, they announced they were closing long before that. Okay. But it put 500 good-paying jobs. In a very small town. In a very small town. Yeah. So they wrote a huge letter. They got published in a couple of papers saying how it was a bigger impact than 4,000 people in, you know, yeah, the GTA the area losing their job. But Italia, you know, like, it, it just goes to show like, it, it's apply for votes. There's nothing genuine about politics. If we bring up a benefits package for GM employees, that will get us more votes. There's no way they can bail these people out. I mean, they're already running a 20, what is it, 20 billion dollar deficit this year? Might as well make it 21. Come on. You, like, well, look at B Bombardier, right? Like Bombardier still employ a lot of people in and around the Quebec area. Yeah, constantly getting bailed out. Yeah, that's because they're afraid to let them go, right? Yeah, but that's what I'm saying. you got to let them go. Hey, I, I completely agree. I com I agree they shouldn't have bailed out the car industry in the first place. Can you imagine what it would be like if they didn't bail GM and Ford out today? Yeah. be a different landscape for sure. Yeah. We might be further ahead with our electric cars. 
No, no, like, look, you know, corporations like anything else, anything living, you know, there's there's a life cycle. They, they're born, they grow, they die. Um, you're not letting them die. It's a total sham. There's no benefit to it. Sure, okay, you know, somebody may argue that there's benefits to keeping this company going, whatever, investors. Oh, sure, okay, if you got shares of the GM in the stock market, you're happy because you don't lose your shirt, but... Sometimes things have to die for new things to happen, new and better things. Um, I just think the government should not get involved. I lost my job once. I didn't see the government coming in and bailing me out. Oh, mind you, I was only one person and not thousands, so that's why I don't get a help. <laughs> well, that's that's the issue, though, right? You, you can't... They, they are being selective They have, by nature, you know, and it's just it's disgusting, but... The fact that you're bailing out companies, it's just ridiculous. I think the writing's on the wall for anybody making cars in Canada right now. Sure, but, you know, I'll tell you, it's a real complex issue and probably not going to like what I have to say about it, but that's part of the reason why there's so much talk about tariffs these days. If you're in Mexico and you're you're GM plant in Mexico and you're paying your employees four bucks an hour, in Tennessee, what are they paying? Sixteen an hour. Yeah. And in Canada, they're forty bucks an hour. Well, you know, you have to completely ignore the first law of economics, and and that is, you know, if you want to build something, go where the labor is the cheapest, or the while well, the quality plus the labor combined is the most, gives you the most value. Yes. And that's not in Canada. It's arguably not in the U.S. It's in Mexico. So that's where they're going to build cars. The fact that people think that we should be building cars in Canada. It's a it's a fallacy at the current setup, you know, as it exists. If GM can import a car made in Mexico into Canada for a cheaper price than they can to build it in Canada, then why are you blaming GM for building cars in Mexico and not in Canada? It's ridiculous. It's not their fault. They're just trying to actually do what the corporation is legally required to do, and that's make a profit. Yeah, they're making a profit for the shareholders, right? So Trump is talking about tariffs on China, and you know, and some people are really weirded out about it. The fact is, in China, you know, you pay a worker forty cents an hour to make something. So of course they are the manufacturing hub, because they can produce goods the most cheaply. And until that changes, part of the reason tariffs have existed in the past is for countries to protect their own manufacturing base. Nobody's going to work for 40 cents an hour in the U.S. Basically, without tariffs, the whole world, all the countries in the world, eventually have to get to the same rate of labor. In Mexico, the population, you know, no disrespect intended, is probably more desperate for work because there's a lot of poverty. I think that would be considered... Good work too, would it not? Like I don't, I, I well, don't. It's all a consistent work. Right? Is four hours an hour a good salary in Mexico? I'm not really sure. Whatever a good job is to you, it's different to everybody. Yeah, like it depends on where you live. Yes. Right. If you got nothing, and no hope and no prospects, right? A low-paying job is a great job because yep. it's a hell of a lot more than you're making before, right? Yeah. Absolutely. Um, perhaps you don't have to join a gang or be forced into gang violence. Look, I'm all for unions in some ways, and I'm 
But when you get into unions that, you know, are truly making a profound amount of money and um, arguably not really working that hard for it um, and then abusing the system to try to get more, you know, where whereas the rest of the population is nowhere near that level of income. In my opinion, some unions are abusing their position too much and, well, you know, in the case of GM, they just said, forget it, they're done. It's easy when you have a job in a union to start to think that you have it worse than everyone else because that's what their union leader will always tell you. You deserve more, you, you know, yada, yada, yada. But you really have to look around outside at the numbers. And in many cases, you may find that your quality of life is better than eight or nine out of the ten other Canadians around you. In which case, you know, maybe you should just back off a bit and be happy where you're at. I don't know. You know, my, my dad worked for a union all his life. He worked for the Brewers Union. Yeah, yeah. In, uh, in London. There. He was never a union guy. And, you know, he used to have a lot of really weird puns and jokes and taglines he'd say. But one that he always used to say a lot was that uh, the union doesn't protect my job, I protect it. But, you know, the other side of it, though, is, you know, I remember you talking about some of the caustic cleaners that yeah. they, were, they were using to clean out the vats and yeah. how it probably shortened the lives of many of those I, I can people. say in my opinion without a doubt it killed many of those guys yeah so yeah. in which case you know you know there's a good reason the union exists because I guess maybe not so much for the pay but protecting the safety of workers I mean that's, or that's for the pay right sure I'll come into that tank with cost because you're paying me $30 an hour to do it and that's the sad part, I think, about all of that. And, you know, I know that's why my dad did a lot of that kind of work, was because it was a lot of money back then. It was always a job you got to go to. Yeah, but, you know, there's interesting times ahead with the tariffs and such. It's I'd be very worried if I worked work in the car, you know, in a car plant in Canada right now. I got two cousins that work in a car plant. Well, it seems like Toyota and Honda, like the imports seem to do fairly well. So why haven't they started opening up plants in Mexico? Like, I know Toyota and them, they're still paying their employees up and around 30 plus dollars an hour. Well, there's still some laws, right, where you have to have a certain percentage of your car made in Canada to sell it in Canada Canada. or something like that. Right. Or you pay an extra fee. There's all kinds of weird laws like that. You know, I think NAFTA, I think it goes to the House of Commons for getting rid of NAFTA and then taking, what is it, the USMCA or something taking over. That rewrites all the rules on you know, duties on cars, how much of a car can be manufactured outside of the U.S. And, and I don't know the full impact on the Canadian side of it, right? Like, yes, maybe... Part of the rewrite was Canada must now allow more cars to be made in the U.S. that they can still sell in Canada without the added fees. Okay. Sure, you know, the, that new agreement was definitely, will benefit the U.S. in more ways than it had with NAFTA. And a lot of people actually feel that NAFTA was a bit too beneficial for Canada and Mexico. Some people, I read about that, so... As opposed to the U.S.? Yeah, the new agreement definitely benefits the U.S. more so than NAFTA. 
is it fair? I don't know. Fair is always a question <laughs> in the eye of the beholder, right? Right. Like, I, I don't really know what to say in that regard. But uh, you know, what I will say is Canada is still selling oil at its very significant discount to the U.S. because the U.S. is pretty much the only country we can sell it to because we have no way to export oil in volume to any of our coasts to sell to anybody else. Thanks to past governments, I guess. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Won't name names. (laughs) Are we best as a society just to let, just to let things fail if they fail? Well, when it comes to business, yeah. But if a, if a business fails, why does it fail? Because people are buying their product. <laughs> well, at the end right. of the day, a business fails because they can't make a profit. Sure. So yeah. why, why do they exist? Why do they exist? Well, it's bailed out. Right. So the workers can keep working. It's a zombie yes. company. Right. But basically, it's the government just paying the workers indirectly through the company. Yes. So the company siphons off part of the money from the government. Which is what the bailout was, right? But with the elimination of the middle class, are, are they trying to hold on to that? Like, if we just let these businesses, GM, Ford, fail, when they do fail, would we be putting so many middle class Canadians out of work that yes. the economy would just fail? Like, Well, the economy is going to fail anyways. Because if, True. when you're propping up a company, the government is taking their money and giving it to a company which comes from the tax base. Yes. So the government is basically going deeper into debt to support companies that indirectly pay some of these employees. The middle class is getting erased. Um, I guess they're trying to slow down that with the bailouts. I, that's what I, that's the only thing, thing I can really think of. It's going to happen. In I'll tell you, the only, the only way you're going to change that is to do what Trump's doing. And that's threatening to impose tariffs, renegotiating agreements. If China's sending product over, say a car that they can sell for five thousand and make a profit, and it takes eight hundred man hours to make it, in the U.S., you need to be able to put eight hundred man hours in and sell that car for five thousand, which you can't do. So if you add tariffs, saying, well, you know, you, we're going to charge you twice as much to import this car, so they have to sell for ten. That's protecting your manufacturing base until China decides to stop manipulating their currency Mm -hmm. and pay their workers more. Like it's Mm. complex. Currency manipulation is complex. I use China as an example, any country, you know, if they wanted to, if they had the ability to do it, go deep into debt, boom your economy, make sure all of your citizens work for next to nothing, and then basically flood the world with product you make so all the other countries businesses go bankrupt because they can't compete <laughs> and then you own the world <laughs> i mean yeah it's that's a very simplistic thing to say but that's that's how you do it so you have to protect yourself i i wouldn't say china's a bad actor i phrase it bad actor is just any country that puts your country's labor force under threat and your manufacturing base under threat i would term that country as a bad actor not that they're actually bad, but you know, know. they are a big threat to your citizenry. Sure they are, yeah. And look what it's done over 20 years. You know, your middle class is wiped out. Yeah. It's gone. You know, okay, well, the information industry programming, you have to be able to adapt very quickly, and people are still trying to adapt to the pace of change that is, is ramping up continuously around mm-hmm. us. You know, you just got to try to hold on, and hopefully you get a decent job, or 
or knowledge skills that you can apply. G GM said is that, you know, go back for retraining on battery power and yeah. automation cars and stuff. But then, you know, five years later, it's going to be something else. Yeah, it's difficult. It's a knowledge economy and it, it's very rewarding to people of high skill sets that have to be, you have to be in the right place at the right time though as well. I think it will correct itself. I think it's going to take a whole generation to swing. Right now, there's a lot of people like who work for your unions who do those, you know, turn a screw, tighten a bolt kind of jobs that get paid really good money for it. And we're going to need to get all of those people somehow out. Well, they're already almost completely gone. Well, sure, the odd ones out there, but compared to what it used to be, you know. Sure. There used to be 40,000 manufacturing auto plant jobs in Oshawa. I heard that. 40,000. And now there's like just like 2,000 left, and then they're getting yeah. rid of them, right? So it's already gone, right? It's That's the dinosaur job. You're lucky if you have it. You try to hang on to it as much as you can, but yeah. it, it ain't going to stick around. Yeah. Well, thanks for coming out, everybody. We appreciate you tuning in again. And our producer's falling asleep. So yeah, that's the that's the. Key we're losing our producer, doing. but we would like to hear if you got any questions. We haven't had any questions for a while, so uh, come on our website and uh, throw some questions at Libby, and uh, we'll talk about them next week. Yeah, and say hello. Okay. Oh, oh, I think I think the Libby producer is trying to bring in John McAfee. So if you're out there, John, apparently uh, you're supposed to give her a call. Thanks, John. <laughs> Episode forty-nine. It's a wrap. Bitcoin Roundtable. Random musings and interviews about Bitcoin.